0: Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a 3-in-1 Smart Lock 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me eufy video lock online that's eufy e-u-f-y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door what's happening guys happy wednesday and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome before i get started I just wanted to thank you guys for the support and for checking out the podcast and also subscribing to my YouTube channel, which is almost at 1 million subscribers. Coming up on today's show, Jake Paul made a call out that's getting a lot of attention and there's also some rumors about Jon Jones and Stipe. But before we get into that, I want to react to this past Saturday's UFC main event. Wahal versus Luque. Here's what happened. Now, guys, when you go into a fight, and you come out the other end, it's darn near blasphemy. It's darn near poor sportsmanship to say the better fighter didn't win. It's for sure rude, but I'm not convinced after what I saw that Luque doesn't have more tools. I think he does. I think the Bahal brought a lot less weapons, but he brought better weapons. He really did, and I hate the word confidence. I work with kids, I tell them all the time. You're going to be told by your father, you're going to be told by every coach that you meet, you got to have confidence, you don't need anything like that. Throw confidence out. You do not have to walk out there like a bully knowing I can win. Sometimes you're going to question it, and sometimes you're going to be pretty sure you're not. When they call your name, you make that walk. Think about, and I'm wrestling coach, think about scoring points, not beating the opponent. In an MMA mindset, psychologically, you want the athlete focused on the performance and not the outcome. Don't even think about who's going to win this. Don't even start doing that math. Am I in the positions I need to be in? Am I working? Are my feet feet moving? Are my hands moving? Is my chin down? Just these little things. Let them add up over the course of the evening. You'll be in a lot better spot. I'm right. I stand by that. Some jerk every 10 years repackages confidence and self-belief, puts it in a book and sells it on Amazon. I'm right about that. In a broad stroke, there are guys who can believe so much that they can fight outside of their abilities. And I have been begging you guys. For one year, I've been pleading with you. Make sure you're watching what Blahal's doing. There's something to be said for momentum. I said those exact words a week ago. I go read the comments. I read them all the time. Every single one that gets posted there. And a lot of people pushed back and said, how can you say that Muhammad has the momentum? Look at what Luque's done and who he's done it with and the way that he's finishing his fights. Look, I don't, I don't dispute that at all. Luque is awesome. I'm a believer. I also believe that he had more weapons and was a little bit sharper in this fight. Lahal had better ones. And we need reminded of this, guys. We really do need reminded. I can even go back a week ago to Aljo versus John. And one of the things that I brought to you guys is that Aljo, on the back of Jan, is the single greatest performance within that position that the sport has ever seen. But we need reminded as fans, right? Like, if you're fighting, it's always a good thing if you're facing your opponent and he's facing away. Can we agree on that? And since they set that octagon up in 1993, there are not very many things that still exist to this day, including the rules, including the rounds, including the weight classes, including the genders, You take a guy down and you keep him there, good things happen. That is the one constant, from 93 to today. And I do think that the way Blahal fought managing range, I'm not sure he had better stand-up. He had good stand-up. I'm not sure it was better. I will definitely tell you it was not more powerful than Luque. The threat that Luque offered on his feet was more powerful. But that created an urgency within Blahal. Blahal believes in Blahal. I hate the word confidence because it's a bunch of crap and you can't control it. You tell a young athlete, believe in yourself, expect victory. Those are just words. How? How? If that was possible to have any emotion, guys, I'd just be happy all the time. Wouldn't you? I wouldn't be pursuing or chasing anything. I would just flip the switch inside that made me happy all the time. And so would you. But confidence is the same thing. How do you do that? How do you bottle that up? How do you take it with you? But when you see it, you know it, and Blahal's got it. That's what I'm speaking to with momentum. Nobody's name is bigger today than it was 12 months ago than Blahal Muhammad. Not to mention he does everything right. Every fighter has one commodity. One monetizable commodity, which is the performance. Well, again, that's a broad stroke. There's some guys like Blahal. There's some guys like McGregor. There's some guys that offer something besides the performance. And I'm watching Blahal talking himself into these things. Look, we learned a lot about Blahal. And I give an assessment of Blahal's fight with Damian Maya. He did not like it. He did not like it, but it was a confusing fight. It really was. I stand by it. Blahal spent a lot of time up against the cage with Maya's leg. But now you're at a wash, and you have to ask yourself a philosophical question. Does Blahal have a hold of Maya? Therefore, he's in a better position because they're frozen here. Or does Maya have Lahal's hands? Because Lahal's busy. I mean, it's a very fair question. I don't know how the judges were going to look at it. He did not like that. He thought that I sounded silly saying that. He's probably going to think I sound silly coming out the back end of his fight saying I'm not sure if he's as skilled as Luque after he got his hand raised. But it's a fair assessment. I'm telling you, I'm watching this guy closer than anybody else is watching him. I talk about learning things about Lahal. What many of you don't know, including right now, I don't think you knew this going into this fight. I don't think you knew this with the buildup of a fight. I'm not sure you know now. That was a rematch. Are you aware that Luque knocked Blahal out? So it's a very big deal. The fact that Blahal could go in there, yes, he had an urgency to those takedowns, but he also understood, I got to punch my way into range. And he did. Then you talk about the championship rounds. Blahal was only scheduled for championship rounds one time. It was against Leon. It didn't get there. Remember the eye poke? We didn't know how he was going to do in... 20 minutes in. Nobody does. No athlete knows. The five-round club is a very rare club. There are multiple champions, champions of the world, that have never entered the five-round club. It's that rare. It's that hard to do. But he passed. He looked great. He was coming on. And then when I talk about the commodity that he has, and one reason that his name has gotten out there, he finishes up the night the right way. He calls out two guys. He called out two guys, and this really made me think, Because he could get both of those fights. He called out Shemaev. He called out Covington. That's strategic. It's another reason I'm behind the movement of Mohammed. He thinks about his own career. He thinks before he speaks. He has things planned. I like a strategy. If you believe for one second that you, the fighter, is not a brand and is not a business, you are wrong. And if you believe that you can get anywhere within business without a strategy, you are also wrong. I don't think that Covington versus Chemayev is done. Not only do I not think it's done, I don't think it's began. I don't think Colby knew anything about that until it was said on Pat McAfee. I don't think they, I don't think, that's what I, my opinion. I don't have evidence to that. But the point that I'm trying to make is if you are trying to preserve that fight, it's very hard to get Dana off of an idea once he's on it. He's very good at getting that fight to the ring. We'll worry about everything. We'll deal with it. Get the fight to the ring. It is a fundamental principle of Dana White psychology. Get the fight in the ring. We'll talk about everything. We'll work. Get the fight in the ring. It's important. The great promoters will do that, but I don't think this one's done. So now you have a question of, well, who's holding it up? Do you truly care if you're going in this feature spot on ABC, what half of that fight remains? Do you care? You got to start with that question, because if you don't, oh, okay, now we got a real simple question. You, would you rather see Blahal versus Chimaev? because they both will do it, for sure. Would you rather see Blahal versus Colby, because they will both do it, for sure. Or do you say to hell with that idea and you just get Colby and Chimaev in there? I'm just saying that there's room for discussion. And the fact that that fight is not done, in fact, I don't even think it started, and now Blahal all of a sudden has inserted himself. Blahal knows what I know. He knows Colby can be tough to work with. He, need, he knows Colby needs certain things. That you got to talk to Colby in a certain way. He understands that. He also knows Colby is an animal. If you back him in the corner and you insult him the right way, you're going to be facing Colby Covington. But that appears to be what he wants. Okay. What do we care? A guy that wins in a main event gets to stay in a main event unless something catastrophic happens. There is nowhere to go in this sport above main event. You can do a main event title fight. I understand those things. But it's a big deal because you're fighting for everything. It's all chips are in. I want something good to happen to Luke. I believe in Luke more now than I did before he lost that fight. You ready for that? And I also like him more now than before he lost the fight because he offered no excuse. He understood exactly what happened. Look, I was doing great. Everything was fine. He got me down and kept me there a little bit. You have to know what the problem is. If you start blaming coaches, you start blaming teammates, you start blaming straight, you start blaming anything other than what specifically the problem was, you can't fix it. So now Luque learns something. He gets to go fix the problem. Plahal gets a victory. He gets to go into the next fight, which he's trying to set up between Chemayev or Covington. And I personally love it. So staying at welterweight and Chemayev specifically, I can't help but wonder when Chemayev might enter the cage with Kamara Uzman. Ali Abdelaziz, manager to the stars, came out speaking about his own client in this case, Kumar Usman, and said about Usman, hey, go fight Jemayev right now. Talking about Jemayev, hey, he's 24, he's hungry, he's getting better, he's gonna get experience. Get him right now. This isn't a guy that we need to deal with two years from now. Let's deal with him today. Interesting perspective. I was very captivated by this, because that is one strategy. It's not the one that most take. But Ali's different. Ali's the best. And this was Ali's advice. Now, Uzman can't just go out and get the fight. I mean, just by example. If he got offered it, would he accept it? Would it make m- more sense to take it now than it does in 2024? I think that's a very interesting perspective because I think all he's right. There's a major tipping point in fighting. And it's not about matches and or experiences, it's about wins and or losses, it's about your age. It has to do with motivation. There is a time in your career you will be motivated. You will look forward to 3 o'clock every day because that's practice. You will look forward to getting exhausted. You will look forward to learning new strategies and techniques. There's another point in your career doing the exact same thing that becomes a job. Instead of operating on motivation, you have to operate on discipline. Here's what I need to do to be successful. Here's the result I want. Here's the things that I know need to be done. Here's the bricks that need to be stacked. Okay, fine. But you are more dangerous in your motivated years. That's true. Motivated isn't a word that Ali used, but I think it's what he meant, and I've seen something like this before, guys, one of the, because the only thing you get in fight, it does not matter if you are raped number one in the world pound for pound, which Usman is, there's only like six guys in the history of earth that get to say that, right? When they started that pound for pound list, it was like 2011, it went to Matt Hughes, I just remember it, went to George St. Pierre, Anderson was on, the, I mean, literally, this is a very small list, but that's all you get in this sport. It's not about the money or the fame. I know that's what it appears for the audience. It's not. The guys in the sport, no matter your level of success, do it for the one thing that you get, which is credit. So you get credit for doing it. We respect you. You get the respect of your peers within this community. That's it. And one thing that I would compare this to is when Floyd Mayweather fought Canelo. Canelo was 21 years old, Floyd was like 37. This fight made no kind of sense. Canelo was completely undefeated. Everybody in boxing, including De La Hoya, put their name on Canelo, said he's going to beat up Floyd. People were advising Floyd not to do the fight. This was a very easy night for Floyd. It was 12 rounds. Floyd won 10 of them. I don't know what the crooks in Nevada said. I can't remember. Floyd won 10 rounds. Floyd lost two rounds. It was absolutely dominant. And not only did he outbox the younger Canelo, Floyd outboxed speeded him. He out-conditioned him. He out-paced him. Everything that you could possibly display, he outworked him. Everything that should go against the older fighter, you know nothing else. You just know one guy's on the backside of 30 and one guy's 21 and just got into a bar. Floyd beat him so easily. I've never never heard this done. Not in boxing. Never. Canelo was too young. I have never heard those words spoken in the history of the sport of combat to justify a loss that the guy who lost was too young. It has never been said, and they did it to Floyd. And there's people that now say, oh, Canelo's the best, and Canelo's the best ever. And Floyd couldn't beat the Canelo of today. and the like. It gets really weird really fast. And it's a very unfair thing to do to Floyd. Look at all the risks that he took. Look at all the naysayers. Look at the people that thought they were cheering against him. Look at the fact that Floyd didn't need to be in there at all. He didn't need to put anything up for risk, but he did it. For the reward, they took it from him. And that is what would have happened to Usman if Usman was in the ring with Shemayev two weeks ago and burns his spot. If Usman would have got the jump on Chemayev, it would not be, oh my goodness, Kamara's even better than we thought. Nobody would have admitted they're wrong. They would have blamed it on Chemayev, which is what they're doing now. And Chemayev won the damn fight against the number three badass on earth. And they still took his credit away. The only thing that he gets. All right, that's the sport that we're in though, right? We're not nice. It's very cutthroat. We will fiercely adhere to the rules that we make up on the spot. We will change those rules when it doesn't favor the thesis that we support. Wildly unfair, what do you do? But when you are in the position of Ali, who is managing and guiding a career of the GOAT, you've only got two options. Do we take the most dangerous guy, what we perceive to be the most potential, and go deal with him right now? Or do we wait two years? Because if you wait two years, there's a strategy there as well. That's the one that most guys go with. The strategy there that most guys go with is give him two years. It's a super hard division. Get him in there with Colby. Find a way to get him in there with Blahal. You start bringing these names in. You start telling the audience, if you can beat Colby, I'll fight. If you can beat Colby and Blahal, you can't beat tonight. And then cross your fingers and pray to whatever God you believe in that one of those guys stops him. That is the most common. I cannot give you another example where a manager, particularly a manager extraordinaire like Ali is, said, no, let's go deal with this problem today. I can't, I can't tell you one. That's always an option. I've never seen it taken. I've always seen the latter. Put something really hard in this guy. I've been in that spot. I was trying to get back to Anderson Silva and he was giving me resistance and we'll go deal with this guy and go deal with this guy. Now he wasn't saying I'm going to reward you if you get through him. He was banking and betting on the fact that I wouldn't. And that's not a bad strategy. I will tell you as a wrestler, you know these brackets, right? We do everything with brackets. You show up to a Saturday tournament, you see who the guy is. We all know who's who. We all know how this day is going to go, or at least real close. But you don't get down on your luck because somebody showed up that's going to give you problems. You know he's got three rounds and three matches until he gets to you. Maybe he'll twist an ankle. Maybe he'll get beat. Maybe he'll get thrown on his back. There could be an upset that happened. That's what gets you through the day until you get to that match, right? It's all these different mind games. The physicality of the match isn't going to change. He doesn't get a stick just because it's the finals. He doesn't get to bring a chain with it. It's the mental approach. How do you get through the day? How do I deal with this guy and then this guy and then this guy when I know that this is looming over me? Well, that's how you do it. You sell yourself on an idea. He might not be here. He might get beat. And lo and behold, you wrestle long enough. A lot of times that's going to happen. You're going to have somebody else. You're going to deal with that mental relief. Now, can you get it up for the match? just an interesting thing. It's one of the reasons that I find wrestling to be so important. I don't ever tell any kids at wrestling, oh, so come do wrestling, it's fun. No, but it's necessary. There's principles and things that you are going to learn, and I will tell you, they carry over to all forms of combat, including the octagon. In between the two options of deal with this problem now or wait until the problem gets bigger and try to tackle it then, that's the choice everybody takes. I've never seen anybody do what Ali is suggesting. And quite frankly, it's not Usman's choice. You guys want to hear a rumor? When I get fed a lot of stuff, and whenever somebody won't put their name on it or tells me I can come and tell you but don't tell you who it got it from, it's weak. It's weak info. So I'm going to admit that up front. But I am being told that Leon has been offered his show and his win. Whatever was negotiated for Leon to fight Kamara is being offered to, we will mail you a check to step aside. We have the right to push you aside. We don't want any hard feelings. And we acknowledge that you deserve this. So we're going to send you what we've agreed on. You get to stay home. With the belief being that Connor's going to step in. I don't believe this rumor, by the way. I'm just sharing with you, anytime you don't have something locked up, and we don't have, for whatever reason, Leon and Kamara, is not done. And if Connor does come back, when's he going to come back? What way does he get? I mean, do you, do you see where there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration? So even though I don't believe it, I am going to share it with you. So if it turns out to be true, I'll get the credit and you'll say I heard it from Chael first. If it turns out not to be true, you say, well, Chael hedged his bet and told us he didn't believe in the first. But yes, I admit that that's what I'm doing. But there is some real moving parts there. And quite frankly, I don't know that we're going to see Kamara Usman fighting two years from now. He's got one hell of a legacy that he could walk away from now. He's got a lot of other opportunities. He doesn't want to. He's a gritty competitor. But eventually, that is going to go away, and perhaps he doesn't cross paths with Jemiah, which is why I respect it even more that Ali is saying, no, no, no we're going to deal with Jamiya, but we're going to deal with him today. Coming up next, we're going to stay in 170, and we're going to talk about Conor McGregor and Kamaru Usman, but first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. If you've been looking to level up your financial portfolio, Uncle Chael is here to let you know it's always good to diversify. Why not think about cryptocurrency? Backed by the world's leading investors, Coinbase keeps your portfolio safe and secure while adding crypto into your mix. I've been into this crypto world for quite some time now, and Coinbase has made it extremely simple to invest through their trusted and easy-to-use platform. You can learn to buy, sell, and spin cryptocurrency all through one site. They also offer portfolio management and user-friendly mobile apps so you can invest on the go. Coinbase supports the most popular digital currencies on the market and makes them accessible to everyone. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, guys, start today and do it with Coinbase. Sign up at Coinbase.com.chail for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only. Be sure you sign up today. That's Coinbase.com.chail. Oh, red panty night is real, guys. Make no mistake. Red Panty Night is still a very real thing. And everybody falls for it, except for Kamar Usman. T- truly, literal statement. Everybody in MMA has fallen for any kind of attention that Conor McGregor has shown to being matched up with them. And I mean across the board. They all go for and you have to, right? What, what else are you going to do? Turn down the biggest opportunity of your life? You're a prize fighter. There's your biggest prize, right? Red Panty Night is real. Usman's saying no, but Usman has to say no. He's doing everything right here. First off, I don't think that Usman believes that fight is gonna happen. Second off, if Uzman gets the call to go do that fight, the fight's going to happen. Usman does not give a damn, but he can't show that he's gonna take this bait. Connor got on a roll where he was doing I mean, it was comical. Connor was trolling, and even Connor had to be looking at his own work and going, My God, how many times are these guys gonna fall for this? He got on a roll. Seven weeks in a row, and I'm going back about two years now, seven weeks in a row, there was a UFC, and Conor took to social media and called out somebody on the heels of it. He stole seven press conferences, two of which were pay-per-views. Dana sits down at seven different press conferences, two of which were pay-per-views, which means titles were contested. And the media does not ask Dana about what just happened or what's going to happen for these athletes that are in their 15 minutes of fame. They start asking, well, you know, Conor McGregor was tweeting, I was working the desk at ESPN, and they came in and talked about a tweet that Conor McGregor had put out. This was on the night of the BMF title. The president was there. The Rock was there. The arena was sold out. It was Masvidal versus Diaz. This was a massive night of business we got to break into ESPN with a Conor McGregor tweet because he called somebody out. Of those seven people, in a row, guys, there's 13 in total. There was seven in a row every week. The guy would spend a whole week trying to get Conor. Conor never say his name again. Saturday rolls around, boom, he moved on to somebody else. Made that guy look like a fool. Next guy falls for it again. 13 people in total that Conor dangled this in front of one time, spit the next. sick Connor had to do one tweet, they then kept Conor's name out there for six more days until Conor changed his mind and move on to somebody else. So when I tell you that Kamara Usman is literally the first person to not fall for this, it's very important. It's an extremely effective thing that McGregor has done. Extremely. Conor should not change. But Usman is not going to look weak in the process. He is the current GOAT. That comes with certain responsibilities. One guy gets to be the pound-for-pound king, and he is voted on by his peers. Truly. You don't go out and win that. That's not a tournament. It's not something along these lines. Your peers rise one of you up, and they give you a number one ranking. The rules change. He's the champion of the world. The rules change. He takes on the top fighters. Conor McGregor is not ranked. The rules change. Kamar Usman takes on whoever's next in line. Conor McGregor is not in the division. He's a 55-pounder with a rumor that he's going to return to the division. I mean, you see where this gets very different. And I must tell you, I'm a bit of a believer in the fight. Of all the fights that I have heard, and look, 155 has already been made crystal clear by both Gaethje and by Oliveira, that they will push everyone aside with whatever power they have, and they will fight Conor as soon as he comes back. Oliver and Gaethje are two of the 13 that I stated. They've all gone for it. Volkanovski did a, a Connor call-out two weeks ago before he headlined a sold-out arena. connor has got him coming in every single direction. It is very unlikely that you're going to see Connor versus Kamar because it's very unlikely that Connor wants to come back at 170 and go right in against the best guy in the world. Who's ranked ahead of the last guy that Connor had prior to an injury in a different weight class? I mean, in all fairness, it's a really hard match. However, I don't know a fight at 170 that makes more sense. Point being, they're not a fight at 170 that makes any sense. What are you gonna do with Connor? You gonna stick him in there with Chemayev? You're gonna put him in there with Covington? You're gonna give him a contender's match? He's gonna headline a pay-per-view that will have guaranteed some kind of a box office record. They do top 10. Conor's got seven of the top 10. He will, he'll beat one of his own records. You're going to do a crazy night of business to make Conor Mac- McGregor a draw? To make him a contender, to get him a top? What are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. In all fairness, it does not. It makes more sense of the terrible options that we've got laid out if you're going to bring in the sport's biggest star and you're going to put him in a weight class that's not his. And you're going to declare to the world that it is now. He got bigger on his time off. And this is where he belongs. And don't forget, he fought here three times? Fought there three times? Went two and one? I mean, however you're going to package this up and give him the goddamn title fight. It did nothing, right? As weird as that is, it's better than the next idea that you've got. Gives Kamara Hoosman one hell of an opportunity. I don't know how many Connors got left. Hoosman's got a bunch. Shine him up. Everybody that leaves this sport is supposed to leave the same way. Some people are too selfish to do it. But you're supposed to leave the same way, which is you pass the torch before you go. I'm just sharing for you. Look, at 170, if that's what we're bringing them back, and we know it's going to be a pay-per-view, we know it's going to be a main event, and we know it's going to be a box office all-time record, at least in the top 10 list, give them a title fight. You said you were going to do it at 155. The two top guys, one of which are guaranteed to be champion, have said we're going to do it. The 45-pound champion said, I'll leave the weight class to get- red panty night is real. Kamar, I love how Kamara's playing it. He's saying no, he's irrelevant, he doesn't matter. Don't ask me about Conor McGregor. He's saying all of the right things. But Kamara, deep down inside, has the same obligation to his career as every other champion and every other fighter, which is to get the easiest opponent for the most money. Conor's doing the same thing. There is something that Conor sees within Usman, and Conor's got a damn good IQ in this sport. He walked into boxing, which he's never done, and went 30 minutes with the greatest to have ever done. He's got an IQ, and there is something that Conor McGregor sees that he believes he can expose within Kamar Usman, that he does not believe he can expose with Shemayev or with Covington. I'm guessing, since he didn't call these guys out. Conor's got the same job as Usman. Get the most money and the biggest opportunity every single night that you're out there. Both of these guys, if they come together, who are we to get in the way? But until they come together, there's a way that this has to be played. 13 up, 13 down. Usman, the only exception that's playing it right. In the past few days, there's been a huge amount of interest in a tweet that Jake Paul made concerning who might be his next opponent. And guys, I got to tell you, I for one, want to see it. Jake Paul, where has he been? I mean, I got to tell you, I'm into the Jake Paul experience. I try to put titles out that gets clicks. Jake came on the show. It did wonderful numbers. You guys all see it, right? I'm not bragging, but I'm also not embellishing. It is sitting right there for you guys to see. I couldn't say Jake Paul's name enough. I just kept talking, boom, Jake took his oars out of the water. And Jake even told us he was going to do that. I, I can't remember what it was. I think he was promoting or at least helping to train a female teammate of his who had an upcoming match. And Jake said, I'm leaving boxing for right now. I'm getting out. Forget about me. Put whatever media, whatever I t- uh, attention I get over to this young lady. So we had cause for it, but we also knew that he was going to come back. What was the delay? What was holding him up? And his next move is his most important move it always is for everybody. But Jake did not love the level of business. He did not love how many of you stopped what you were doing and pushed the buy button for his last fight. So that's why it's it's paramount that whatever he does now is very important. Where's Jake? Strategizing, planning, manipulating, conniving, I'm sure, but where In in what direction, right? I mean, his brother goes over to pro wrestling. I caught something, I don't know if this is recent. I took it as recent because I just saw it, but Jake was trying out for an NFL team, Whether he gets there, this is great stuff. This is attention-worthy stuff. But specifically, where is Jake in the world of boxing? Well, we just might have an answer. He went after Michael Bisping. Now, Jake brings something special attention-wise in front of everything else. Nobody's talking about Jake for his left hand or his right hand. Nobody's talking about his training or his coaching or his workout partners or his gym or his discipline. Or they're, not, they're talking about the attention that he can garner and take an audience into this realm of which he chose to be the sweet science. Great. He's never had anybody that will match him. Jake has had nothing but opponents. He is yet to have a partner. I don't think that Jake understands how helpful life can be, and how much easier this world of navigating promotion—the hardest thing you're ever going to run into. There's a reason none of you dreamed of being promoters. There's a reason none of your friends went on to be promoters. There's a reason the high school went you didn't have classes or have a book in the library on promotion. There's a reason that the universities and colleges you went to—you cannot major in fight promotion. First off, nobody knows it, and second off, it's really hard. I'm just sharing for you, Jake, as good of a job as he's done, has only had opponents, he's never had a partner. You get in bed with Michael Bisping, you got a partner. And you got a partner who will outshine you at every chance that he gets. With Michael Bisping comes a country. It's interesting, guys. I'm not predicting for you those two are going to go squabble. I will share with you right now, there's some guys that you can mess with. There's some guys you can pick on. Michael Bisping is not in that bucket. He's in the category of don't F with that guy unless you want to get into it. And I never believed Bisping was retired. I brought this to you guys time after time. Michael heard that I was telling people. He finally pulled me aside. A person says, hey, Chael, I know you think I'm coming back, but I'm not. I'm done. Well, I don't believe him. I believe maybe he believed it, but all of us former fighters look the same. Fat. Out of shape. Depressed lonely, bored, but we all have this, oh, you used to fight. d got a little cauliflower in your ear, got a little confidence in your face, got a little something around the midsection. We all look the same. Well, not Bisping. And I work with Bisping. I travel the roads with Bisping. We will have early wake-up calls, 8 a.m. I mean, just by example, you know, you're up by 6 and you're getting your suit on your whole bit and you're you're down in the car by 8 a.m. Get your cup of coffee and off you go. Bisping's already ran five miles all the time. He will go in at night and then he'll sit in the sauna before he goes up to his room and goes to bed. I'm going, yeah, that's not what somebody does. This is not fun. You do not meet hobbyists that do mixed martial arts. None. Somebody's got a goal. That could be weight loss. That could be to get in shape. That could be to get your black belt. There's a number of different goals, but you don't have anybody that just goes and does. It's not fun. Bisping's still in the gym. No is he running right in front of me? I know that he's running. I know that he's going and sonning. I know he's getting one workout in a day and some two while on the road. You know how hard it is to train on the road? You don't have a facility. You don't have people around. You don't have that coach to motivate you. He's doing all those things. When he gets home, he goes in and works with Perillo. I saw sparring footage, and so did you guys. You just might not remember it. Six months ago, Michael Bisping and Luke Rockholt. Sparring, kickboxing, and MMA. So I've never believed that he's done. Even when he was convinced he's, I don't think so. Then you guys might not know this about Michael Bisping. He's got a son who's a stud. This kid is handsome. He's young. He's smart. He's a college athlete. Bisping goes out of work, sprints with him. He goes in and works with his child, one-on-one, with his hands, soaking wet, heart beating out of his chest. So, no, I don't think he's done. I've never believed it. Then Bisping went ahead to, to assure everybody he's done, to reveal everything he's dealing with with that eye. And also a knee. being has a, well, I guess I would call it a bionic knee. He showed me photographs. It created a pain in my stomach when I saw them. They took a skill saw, they opened his knee, they shaved it down like you would a, a table that you were crafting, and they put all metal in. But then four months later, again, he's running five miles a day and he's doing sprints with Kellum. So apparently the knee's pretty good. And I don't know what the commission's going to say on that. I don't know if a commission gives a damn if you've got a bionic knee. I don't know. I turn the TV on sometimes, and we, we've got people that are being celebrated, sponsored by Nike, that are running with, what do they call it, orthopedics that come down? I mean, this is something where I've never seen a level of discrimination in sport. I've never even heard of a level of discrimination where you couldn't get a license because you had to have your knee worked on. MMA could be a little bit different. You guys remember that when Tim Sylvia got a, a metal plate put in his forearm? He fought Frank Mir, his arm popped. He goes and gets a metal plate in his forearm. And Tim was smeared in everybody's face. He said, this entire part of my arm is metal and I'm going to hit you with it and the commission is going to let me. And it was one of these things where people go, oh, geez, Tim, are you really? Hey, don't hit me with that bionic forearm. But the point being, the commission, of course we're not going to hold this against a guy because he went in and fixed his body. So I'm only bringing that to you because a big part of the story, can Bisping get licensed? So Jake Paul says publicly, hey, Mike, you go get a license. I'll give you an ass-whipping. I'll give you a million dollars, and I'll give you pay-per-view points. You're not going to get away with that. I'm just letting you know. I, I don't know where Mike's at, but I know that he spars. I know that he's in shape. He he does not fall into the same category of former world champion, ex-fighter. He could whip himself into shape really fast. Now, can he get licensed? I don't know the ins and outs with the eye. There's for sure an eye test. I don't know about any knee test. I don't know. If it's there, I don't know about it. There for sure is an eye test, but there's also jurisdictions. I mean, could you just imagine they took that fight to England? If Michael Bisping did some legwork here, if he went and found a commission that would allow this to happen, and maybe he's got to pull some strings. He's got friends in England. He'd be the one to do that. And then he went and found a venue. Say he did those two things, and he goes back to the Paul team. That $1 million just became $3 million. They will sell that out. That will be an incredible night of business, and we will have very clear marching orders for Jake Paul. I hope we get to that point because if we get to the point in the conversation where we start discussing can Jake Paul beat Michael Bisping? Michael Bisping was an MMA champion of the world. Fighting out of England, a country that does not contest wrestling in the Olympic games. Michael Bisping's a kickboxer. You're taking rare rabbit, you're throwing him right into the briar patch. I like to fight, guys. I'm not against it at all. I'm not. I'm into the whole thing. Bisping's been working his ass off for something. Bisping responded to Jake Paul. Bisping responded in a way that no other fighter thought to respond. He responded with compliments. He said, you know what? You are getting attention, and you are doing well, and you do command a lot of money. And it's for those reasons that I will. I will take your challenge. If you're serious, call my people. I don't know where this is going to go. But Jake Paul has only had opponents, he would find a partner for the first time ever. Michael Bisping's in shape, he's training for something. Michael Bisping's not letting anybody slide. You can debate all day, can he beat this guy, can he not beat this guy? I'm telling you right now, that's not how Bisping's minds works. You challenge Bisping, you're going to be fighting Bisping. close out today's show let's return to the subject of John Jones and who he might face in his heavyweight debut whenever that might be so my partner Ryan asked me a simple question hey Chael do you want to talk about A versus Jones sure Ryan what do you want me to say do you want me to lay out for the audience where we're at with this whole thing John Jones is not five two years guys am I close maybe a little bit more Stipe wants to fight Jones. I know that for sure because I'm pen pals with Stipe's old lady, and she shared that with me months ago, so long ago that I kept it to myself. I thought she was telling me a secret. Then Dana came out and talked about it. Great. Everybody knows. John Jones has been very tough to deal with. He even gave his belt back. He left the division. He didn't fight it, but now all of a sudden he's coming back. John is, from what we're hearing now, not hard to deal with at all. He's accepted the position he's in. He understands it's going to be steep. And we got to work out, is this for the Undisputed Championship or the Interim Championship? But that seems like a small fix. And frankly, I don't know that it matters. Right? We want to see them fight first and foremost. Yeah, sure, we're going to put some kind of a prize up. I don't know where Francis is in this whole thing. I do find that interesting. I feel like Francis is blowing it. I want to see Francis keeping his name out there. And, you know, you got to understand, and fighters don't. Fighters are whores in regard, they will talk to Dana, they will talk to Coker, whoever pays them more money is who they will give their services to. Happens every single time. They shouldn't do that. When you pick your promoter, it should not just be about uh, the money in the contract. It should be about opportunity. It should be about plans. It should be about where you can get a push. It should be about exposure. There's long-term plays that you need to make. Francis has a great promoter who has got his name out there across the world. If Francis turns on that contract, he also says no to his promoter. Fine, he just needs to know that. So now he's going to need to start building connections. He's going to need to start getting his story out there. He's not going to have somebody do it for him, which is what the promoter does. Small point by me, but I'm watching Francis lay out on this thing completely. If Stipe and Jones fight, Francis will not be invited. Francis needs to be first in line at Ticketmaster, get himself a front row seat, show up in that suit that looks good, and have the belt over his shoulder. Deal with security. Keep him back. Say he's got the right to be there with the ticket. He needs to insert himself into this in some way. Whatever Francis can get to fight Tyson Fury is directly related not to what Francis has done in the past. That's the misconception. That's the mistake. That's the landmine that everybody steps in. How hot is your name right now? And this has been proven time and time again. The number one star in our sport, without exception, provable, verifiable numbers, is McGregor. How'd his last fight go? how does fight before that go? You see the problem? Or at least do you see where I'm right? That it just matters how hot can you be. And Conor brings us in on everything. Conor goes and gets on a scale. He takes a picture. He brings it to us. Conor starts making a comeback. He films it. He puts it out. Conor put uh, sparring footage from over the weekend out. He did not look great in sparring. But it was still Conor And gave us something to talk about. He doesn't have to look great. He just needs to be out there. And those videos are very powerful, like the way that Connor does them. He gives no context. You don't know who the partner is. You don't know if that's the fourth round. You don't know if there was already three rounds before it and Connor had fresh guys. Connor's exhausted. Like, you have no context, but that's where the power is. It creates a discussion. I'm only sharing that with you. Steve, or I apologize. And Gano needs to make sure that he stays within the discussion. Now, is John going to bite Steve? I think so. That's the fight. But I'm just not here on my own. Dana has said that's the fight that he would like to make. Stepe's old lady told me that they've already accepted that fight. John Jones is talking about and is in training camp. And training camp hasn't been easy for John, right? He left the Albuquerque situation. So he's got somewhere else he can train when he's in Albuquerque, but he's also been going out to Phoenix. I mean, he's showing a dedication, showing a real commitment and a real dedication. The experiment of John Jones has got to take place, in my opinion. Now, nobody can control that. I believe the experiment is going to be preserved, which is John is the greatest fighter the sport's ever seen, but can he do it in a new division against bigger guys? Well, that becomes a little bit of a tricky situation when you deal with Stipe. John has been very clear with us. He's got to weigh 240. He picked the number. It's very arbitrary, but he's been very clear with us. Yeah, he's got to weigh 240. He got up to 242, according to his Instagram. So he's there. Let's just say he's going to weigh in at 240. Stipe has not weighed 240 in two and a half years. So the experiment goes up in smoke, right? If John Jones, even if it's the day before, if John Jones faces us with Stipe and he's got eight pounds on Miocic, this entire experiment, that piece is gone. That's still the fight we want to, but that piece is gone. Now, when I come back to my pen pal, Mrs. Miocic, she says that Stipe put on 20 pounds of muscle. 20 pounds the right way. When they went to Ohio and Stipe got a cameo for the Curtis Blades fight, he looked it. I don't know what he weighed, but it was at least honest that whatever he weighs is good weight. We could all see that even through his shirt and jacket, right? So Stipe, in my opinion, has got to weigh in more than John. I want him to put on 20 pounds. I want him to be 255 pounds. John Jones comes anywhere around that 240 mark, and we at least preserve the question of can John deal with a bigger man? We know John can beat everybody. We know John can become the world champion. We know John can beat Stipe, but we know Stipe could beat John too. We know John does some of his best work by throwing people down and keeping them there and beating them up. Like, John's ground and pound is very hard to match, but they do have the common opponent in Daniel Cormier, and we've seen how hard it is to take Stipe down and to keep him there. So now you have a stand-up fight with a very tricky, I call John, I don't talk about John as a kickboxer, I call him a trick boxer. Because he's got more traps, he's got more setups, he's got more different moves. I mean, he's teaching the world the oblique kick, just by example. He will lead a fight, everybody else is with ones and twos, he'll lead it with elbows, right? See round five of the Rashad Evans fight, just by example. John will do stuff that nobody else can do. He'll run across the ring, jump in the air, and throw a flying knee. Like, these are things that is not going to do. Stipe is very basic, but basics win championships all the time. Like, that fight works. The X's and O's of that fight, it is compelling as hell. Not to mention, we're not just stacking the deck against John with the weight. We are stacking that against him. But some bitch has gotten so good, we have to put something against him. It's got to be a handicap somewhere. You're also stacking the deck of how are you going to do with a new gym, a new training situation, And having been removed for the sport for X amount of time, I think it's two years. I'm making that number, but I know I'm close. How are you going to do? Fair question for anybody, which also stacks favor into the opponent's category, which in this case happens to be Steve So Ryan wants to know if I want to talk about this fight. I'll talk about this fight all day. But quite frankly, I'm a little annoyed. We're having meetings about meetings. We're talking about time. Let's do the fight. Let's do the damn fight. I don't know what's going on in International Fight Week. But I do know that that is the blowout show. And that didn't used to be. It used to be within the UFC Super Bowl weekend. That was the one that the organization really got behind. There was another organization out of Japan called Pride. And Pride had already claimed New Year's Eve. That was their day. Big New Year's Eve show. I want to say they even were in the venue at like midnight when, you know, the clock strikes. It was this whole thing. So the UFC claimed Super Bowl weekend. But now it's International Fight Week. And we've got a number of fights that are looming that are just out there. We've got Leon versus Kamara. Why does that not have a date? We've got Jones versus why does that not have a date? Guy, I think we're gonna have answers very soon. Don't be stunned to get both of those whopper fights that I just mentioned on the same card. Now what's McGregor do, right? You've got all these discussions. You've got a lot up in the air. I'm happy to talk about the fight. That's my answer to Ryan. Those are the pieces to this. Can we just sign the damn contract and do the fight? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. There's a lot of conversation continuing to swirl around Jake Paul and Michael Bisping, Stipe, John Jones, Conor McGregor's eventual return. Look, I'm gonna dive into all of that and a whole lot more when we come back for the next episode on Friday. But until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.